your skeletons and shivers down your spine. Shrieking skulls will shock your soul and seal your doom tonight. Spooky, scary skeletons speak with such a screech. You'll shake and shudder in surprise when you hear these zombies shriek. We're so sorry, skeletons, you're so misunderstood. You only want to socialize. But I don't think we should. A spooky, scary skeleton shouts startling, shrilly screams. They'll sneak them, there's a couple of girls and just won't leave you be. You know, it's just, it's just the way that when this starts, like, so much time passes between episodes that I, I, you know, at the time of recording, this should actually be episode 88, but this is gonna be episode 75, because we're busy people and we need to come back and Dab. record a new, um, a new episode. So, timeline, theoretically, this episode is a time travel crazy we're going back isn't that fun by the time this comes out it will be the newest of the recordings that have come out so far oh my god it'll be the oldest because of the date yep anyway so um (laughs) it's your boy gestalt that was funny Mm -mm -mm. (laughs) sounded so fun uh yeah so this is this is lots of pasta I didn't even introduce yet. Hey. Lots of pasta and episode 75. Um, We're finishing bedtime this episode. Um, I'm excited. It's me and Gestalt here. It's Um, your boy. Skinny penis. super stoned, dude. I'm sorry. I mean, it's, this Why are you means sorry? the story is going to be great. It's going to be magical. No, yeah, it's going to be fine. magical. Um, before we start talking me. about bedtime, though, there are things... I wanted to bring up. Uh, I guess the first could be a basic shout out that if you feel like watching Gestalt play video games, hey, l- literally search Gestalt with on, two T's on well three, G E S T A L T T. Two T's, but I mean two at the end. Oh, that's what I meant. <laughs> Let's not talk about it. Gestalt, yeah. How's how's your writing going? Can't even figure out how many t's there <laughs> anyway so there's a uh, gestalt is on twitch and he's playing rainbow siege and uh league of legends just lol. gaming it up the lol the lol the game is so cancerous and awful but i don't know i don't know more people watch when i play that no game i like that's okay dude so i do it okay so i guess i'll start with the first thing have you ever seen Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon? So, that's actually on my movie list currently to watch it, ironically. And I'm compelled, but I'm scared it's going to be a cheesy piece of crap. It is a cheesy piece of crap, but it is endearing. Okay, I'm and, cool with endearing. And the twist is, the twist almost becomes Scream. I love Scream, so... Do you like Scream? Then, then, you'll be, then you will be pleasantly surprised by the Good. quality of Leslie yeah. Vernon. I have been told by Scutch McGee for fucking years to watch this movie, and I'm going to have to bring it back up with him, too, if I could remember uh, the next time I see him in the in the late 90s. Um, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. It's on my list to awesome. watch along with um, I Saw the Devil. Oh, I Saw the Devil's fucking great. And Inside. The one with the woman with the pregnant belly. And, I have not heard of And that. it's like she has like, the one chick has like scissors and tries to cut it out of her and stuff. Nope. I have not heard of that. Oh, I'm all about Another it. Another fun thing I could talk about. Yeah, go for it. 
I also recently rewatched An American Werewolf in London for the first time in ten fucking years. Now, how did it age on you? Fantastically. Yeah. It always does with those. I think it was Baker who did the effects. Um, the transition scene was definitely a step up from the time period it was in and still lasts to this <laughs> day. Late 80s, yeah. Um, it's just intriguing when you use real effects, how Early great they 80s. look. Like, you look at um, American Werewolf and you look at movies like The Thing, the original, like, you see it, and to this day, it still makes you uncomfortable because of how dynamically well it's done with physical effects. Physical effects are the greatest thing. Absolutely. Uh, another person on the podcast, Tenron Otrin, he hadn't seen okay. um, The Thing before, and we read a story later, I think in the beginning of the 80s, about an Antarctic team. And in a later episode in the 80s, I think 86, what what we ended up doing is um, I watched The Thing with him for the first time. Oh, that's I got amazing. To, and I got to see it through a child's eyes. Because you are a child, Tenron. You fuck. Yeah. And, um, and he loved every moment of it. Are you serious? That's, that, I every, mean, to be Every expected, fucking but yeah. second. Anyway, I loved that shit. So good. American Werewolf in London also. Ex- exquisite storytelling. By the wonderful uh, John Landis. I don't even know why I'm fucking surprised. Max Landis is dead. It's, it's just what it is. Like, you expect it. Yeah, totally expected. Next thing I want to talk about, obscure indie foreign flick, Dog Soldiers. Nope, never heard of it. Fucking put it on your list, bud. Give me some love. So some Dog love. Soldiers, yeah. uh, there are several actors I recognized. Alfred, uh, the actor, Sean Pertwee, who plays Alfred on the terrible Gotham show. He's <laughs> one of the best parts of that show. The, the actor who plays, the actor who plays Alfred. Okay. Uh, he was a Doctor Who's son, Sean Pertwee. And he, um, he acts just like his papa, except he's a lot better. And he's in a movie, Dog Soldiers. I think he's the, the commander. And there's another British actor that I, that I recognize. But both of them are fantastic in that movie. Oh, the other one plays, um... The other one I recognize was Sir Davos from Game of Thrones. Oh, that's cool. He plays uh, the bad guy, actually. So a UK black ops mm-hmm. team is called off into the mountains of, like, fucking Scotland okay, cool. to deal with um, a missing team or something. A team got butchered, and they play it up like Predator almost. That's unique. I haven't really seen something fun. like that in a while. But when they get out there, it's a fucking bloodbath, and it's a, it's a group of fucking lichens, you know, okay. like hardcore almost like underworld all practical effects i think um 90s no so it's after underworld it is definitely after Underworld. i think it's like 2007 to 2009 somewhere in there but it was that was like a dead zone for horror anyway yeah i loved dog soldiers the way that they do the um the werewolves are just fast and they're strong and they're all practical effects and it's just awesome perfect and it's just awesome yeah you know it feels it feels visceral and therefore it is it is a little dry Mm-hmm. It, 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 the entire thing is Predator. They get, you know, there's tons of blood. They get, they have to hold a house. You know, they have to stay in the house and wait for evacuation. And the movie just seems to be like, how much longer can we get these people stuck in this field full mm-hmm. of werewolves? Yeah. Dog soldiers. I definitely have to check it out. Super fun. And I guess there was there was another fun one that I watched that I thought you were having a fun reaction to. We talked about the ritual for a little bit before we yeah. started uh, recording. And I know I talked about that with a uh, disco D, yep. but um, 
while I was watching it, and we also talked about it uh, later uh, when he he's in an 80s episode. Uh, the Ritual is just fun. The Ritual is one of the most fun creature features I've seen uh, in this last, like, year. The last thing I wanted to bring up was I watched a... I think it's 2015. Okay. But it's made to look like an NC-17 stupid-ass revenge porn horror flick. Exploitation. Yes. Lots of body horror. Yeah. Grindhouse. Yep, totally. Um, called Gutter Balls. And it was hilarious, but also great. Yeah. Kind of like how The Room is terrible, but, but it, great. It, it rocks being On terrible. several levels, it is so much fun. And it's just fun yeah. to watch this dude kill people in inventive ways. And, like, at one point, he stops killing bad guys and just starts killing good ones. And you're like, you're like, fuck, that goes against... This person is either multiple people or this person doesn't give a fuck and wants to murder everyone now. Yeah. It's a good and I twist. and I loved it because you know just like you know last house on the left uh, I spit on your grave you know it's about a group of guys raping a girl and then she gets revenge on the guys but you know I just ruined something but I mean you're going to fucking watch it anyway. Like, what was the American Mary American American Mary yeah. That's one of my favorite I love that movie. Awesome. Uh, the surgery makes me squeamish. I uh, I love movies that do like close-ups of an eye and then like slowly cut into it. Or Enchant and Delu. You ever seen Enchant and Delu? 1930. Um, and they do the shot of the moon with the cloud cutting through yes. it. It's one of my favorite shots. What yes. about the eye? How's that gonna what go? about the eye cutting scene? No, Enchant and Delu is kind of like is French a... French avant-garde horror. I know. I'm saying people know that. Cause... No, but. We're allowed to, yeah. You and like you and me sitting on a couch together. Yeah. I'm allowed to reference on Shana and the Loop. Oh, I agree. Um, I was just like, oh, I went to film school. <laughs> you're in film. School. We're allowed to. We're yeah, allowed to say I this. I love shots that can push the boundaries that, of their time period. I the first time I watched that, I uh, I think it was eighteen, okay, seventeen maybe, and um, it blew my fucking mind. I was like. Kind of like the first person who picks up Junji Ito. You know, they just... There's no way to comprehend Junji Ito. I wish I could... I wish I could leave his books in front of children just to see how they react Spirals. to things. Yeah. Uh, it's... Guy... Giel. The no. fucking... Um. If you ever didn't like fish, let... Do I have a book for you? Anyway... Um, I do have to play this please. clip of Gutter Balls real quick. Yeah, but guys, please do pick up any Edo products because Whew. the dude literally defines, like, you think Silent Hill's messed up? Okay, let's go, like, ten steps further. Let's, let's fuck with your brain and your eyeballs. Especially those spirals. If you ever want to see a, a dude with a face full of zits just blowing up all of his zits onto a person's open mouth and face... You know where to pick up a book. I also think that, uh, I think it's Katagari. No, that's a game. Katamari. Um, What's the, the Cayuga Faults? Or the... The the, Ika, it starts with I. Um, Fuck, I'm not Japanese. I'm sorry. I I can reference on Chandelou, but I I don't know all of the names of Ito's random works. There's one called The Faults. The Cracks. um, And it is... 
the most best and the most terrifying of his works, in my opinion. Spirals is fun, but um, I, I do think the... Um, the Enigma of... the I think it's the Enigma... Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. The Enigma of Amigara Fault. And that was the first thing I ever read by Junji Ito. In fact, uh, I was Maybe online... the fourth or fifth, but I loved it the most. I was online and I was reading a bunch of really bad horror comics and someone referenced on like an Imker link like hey look at this that's how everyone finds Ito I swear to fucking god and I started reading it and I was like this is the stuff that I beg for this is the stuff I think about this is the stuff that I want to write and this is the stuff that makes me uncomfortable which you like you could like like I said you cut someone's eye in front of me and I'm like whatever I swear to fucking god dude at some point in junior high I actually had like a nightmare that I would like to think is Tomy that's awesome. I had a nightmare of like a babysitter pretty girl that starts to like want to fucking kill me and kill people around me. But like I am so attracted to her. I don't know what to fucking do. So it's haunting people. I've had a haunted brain. I asked this question to someone the other day. Um, I recently had a mental breakdown. Yeah. Anyway, I asked someone... Uh, at what age do you think your brain started deteriorating? <laughs> yeah. You're gonna ask me this? Yes. When I was born. Fuck! Sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. I think, um... No, I think the last time I was happy, I was probably 12. Okay. So I think uh, 13 is when I discovered both the pleasures of uh, sex, well, in my case, uh, masturbation, and depression. <laughs> Same time. At the same time. <laughs> it's fun. Anyway, uh, getting back to gutter balls, um, this is my favorite clip from uh, from the movie, and it is just so inconsequential to the plot, but it is said so funnily by one of the worst actors in the movie, and I, and I love every fucking second of it. Speaking of balls, I gotta get mine waxed. Dude, that's crazy. Shit, man. Not my fucking nuts, AJ. My bowling ball. How the fuck would you know that bag laughs their balls? Shut up. Who the fuck up? Why are you grabbing a beer at the same time? Fuck you. It's just... Fuck you. It has that, like, uncomfortable grindhouse soap opera... Speaking of balls. I just want to know why he says it like that. Speaking of balls... Bowls. I don't know how he does it. I can't imitate. Like, I can imitate so many people, but I can't imitate the way this dude. How do you know fags watch their bowls? Like, why would you. Why did, Where does this come into their brain and why? Why did he say it like that? And then when the guy kicks him as like a playful action, for some reason they still had a camera zoomed in on his face to pick up what is very obviously an ad lib of him going, Watch the shoes. <laughs> like okay, please stop. they're bowling shoes yeah <laughs> you rented them for 7.99 anyway beautiful. it's the movie is funny on several levels but also um terrible i'm just terrible more than funny but worth it yeah but anyway we got to get into bedtime um because i'm ready for my bedtime <laughs> hey oh, I'm, I'm high i'm depressed um yeah man me too so down so uh the first thing i gotta ask is from what you remember of bedtime mm-hmm. what did you think of bedtime complete remember it um because not like oh, look at me i remember but the one thing that i choose to remember is a lot of stories because they 
the emotions you feel from stories, they can last with you if you do it right. If you, sure. if you, if you enjoy the story. The thing that really hits me is a story like... Bedtime. The thing that really hits me is stories like Bedtime where I'm it may totally not be... That in. I hate you. What's the name? What are you doing? Where am I? Why am I here? Why am I tied up, Daddy? Anyway, why... Why do we just, a lot of times I'll watch horror and I won't have an open mind and then I won't enjoy it. But if I'm sitting there and I'm ready to be sexually assaulted by that horror movie and physically and berated and the horror movie is going to make me uncomfortable, if I'm opening myself up to uncomfortability, if that's even a word, then I enjoy it more. And with bedtime, I, from the get-go, was like, I don't care if the story's written well or not. I'm going to put myself in this, these kids, like this kid's shoes and I'm just going to suck it up, right? I'm going to just feel that moment when he's laying there and under the covers with him, he feels the, like that dead shaking-ish body. And like, that's not cool. Mm-hmm. And that's like my phrase for things that I like. If I really like that's something, cool. it's not, no, bad, that's not cool. You shouldn't <laughs> do that. Like, no. Like, why Why is there this creepy thing? Because I, I picture the flesh in my head and I picture the like cold, kind of like dripping sweat on its body. I love and, it. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. The whole time you're just thinking about it, and then it, like when it grabs him, I was like, "No, no, okay, done. We're done. Like, cut. Like, let's go home." Because to me, like, I think of it, and I'm like, "Great, now I'm gonna have some petty nightmares that are gonna make me feel more <laughs> like a pansy in my life if I need that already." Which you know, we don't. We don't. We don't. You don't need that. I already am a pansy. Like, I don't need more. Um, from what I remembered, I want I want it to continue building what what to i think will be an impressive narrative i think it it laid the foundation for what can continue to be two things and we talked about it the first part from what i remember um part one is 68 i believe yeah and um it could just continue to be about this is the less likely of the two and the direction i don't want it to go in is that it could it could continue to be about random ghosts that continue to fuck with this kid wherever he goes or whatever house he lives in or for the rest of his life even. I would be okay with that. I don't expect that, nor do I want it to become that, but that's kind of what part one felt like. And reading part three through five or whatever we're doing today, um, because I think this story is like six, uh, six parts... And we just read two in the first. The rapper, the rapper. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> Kick. Now punch. <laughs> I, uh... I want it to go a different way. And I want it to build. I want the dread to build. And I want... I want it to sucker punch us at the end. I want, I want this to have a not great ending. And I want it to be... Because parts one through four were laying foundation for an evil we've been ignoring yeah so i have the exact same opinion Conjuring. i really don't like insidious how most movies and people think that movies like conjuring and insidious are ruining it it's our fault that we've now given them enough money to keep making them and then they eventually get worse and worse but like i mean i, I, I love... do think the first couple were good on yeah both of their and well i don't like annabelle no um neither do i and the second Annabelle, neither. I don't like Insidious 3 to whatever they've been doing. I like the first two, and I think the first two is all they really needed. Arguably only the first one. In my opinion, the first. And, I mean, I like the second one for what it was, but it wasn't Insidious. 
it, sure. it wasn't as defining for me. Um, I'm afraid the story bedtime is going to go from being, oh my gosh, this build up the foundation. And then it's like you said, oh, it just happens again. The story ends. Like, no, I want it to be that he ignored it. He pushed out of his brain. He said it was fake. It's not real. Like that stuff is, that was in our past. Like whatever. I was young. Like kind of like the movie Oculus where it's like they just try to forget about it, but then yeah. it bites them in the butt. Yeah. And I'm afraid that it's not going to bite him in the butt. It's just going to be, yeah, ooh, it's, it's a ghost. Be, this happened. This happened. Yeah. And that's a formatting thing sometimes. That's just a framing thing yeah. sometimes. It, it's almost to be expected, but I don't want to expect it. I want, I want it to go differently. I want, yeah, to be, I, hope so. I want to be surprised. I think this is a creepypasta, so I I would like to think that earlier caliber creepypasta could be compelling. And the only other thing I could note is that even though I edited the episode and I've listened to it three or four times onto its publishing point, I still can't tell because of the way the story was written... There were some laughably bad sentences, you know, yeah. there were some... Definitely. The caliber isn't isn't fantastic. That I am... I totally don't know how many spirits or manifestations, I guess I should say, there are in the narrative. I know part one was just about one, but part... The Rock and one. But part two could be about two distinct different ones yes, that aren't related to number one so now are we saying that there are three three or two we don't know yet yeah okay i'm glad that you agree with me on that kind of unaware vague yeah the way he, he or she wrote the way it. the sentences did they didn't quite make sense at the end of part two not wrong. Yeah. we're not the, he didn't play the pronoun game very well he played we the weren't, it, we weren't it, sure it, yeah we we don't know if it was multiple or one, or if it was if it switched attitudes, who who fucking knows? Want to dive in, Boyle? I'm good to dive in. Do you want to start? Because I think I started sure. last time. That sounds great. Part three is called. That's your new camera. Don't this throw is my it on the old, This is my old camera. This is your old one. My new one. That's a Nikon. Well, that's right. The film one. Also film camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Part three is called "My Fears Realized." Um, which for me is like Mondays. For me, it's existing, but. Oof. Amen. It's bedtime. Dive it out. Part three. My fears release. Released. <laughs> this is why I can't have. This is why I can't have good things. You did in a my good life. first sentence. I was like part three. My just fears released. Realized. Eight. That's just. <laughs> It's just the page count. Page count. I told you, you can't write that down. Ron Burgundy will read anything. Anything you put in front of him on the teleprompter. I am Ron Burgundy. a question mark. What a question mark. I told the question mark. A few days ago, I submitted two nightmarish accounts of my childhood. Perhaps you read them to truly comprehend what befallen me. I had been, I had been, I had been, I... I had been compa- I read it right every single time and still stopped. Yep, man. That should yep. stay in there. <laughs> I had been compelled to silence, gripped by the irrational fear that somehow, even after all these years, so this is in the present time now, should I speak of it, that those things would seek me out and once again wreak havoc on my life. In the name of science and reason, I confronted those fears and set out to vanquish those tormented memories once and for all by sharing them with others, exposing them for what I believed they were, the delusions of a troubled child. Held on to my skepticism and rationality for dear life, I've allowed them to define me, 
but this morning I was presented with verifiable physical evidence. Evidence of what I do not know, but it cannot be ignored. And it seems strange to me that the last few days have been so tainted by apprehension and misfortune after finally breaking my silence that I can no longer rely upon entirely conventional explanations. Taint. I like looked down and just went <laughs> like the burp, like trying to talk. What taint? Where's taint? Oh, what did I say? No, I just said taint. Oh, just, just I like taint. <laughs> Like, it feels like that's where, like, a vagina would go on. It's like, you just cut it open and there's the vagina. That's a good point, I guess. Like, maybe we should try it sometime, but, like, not on that. It's like, that's stupid. It is kind of like a zipper at the bottom. I know, it's like a zipper. Like, there's the line going across. I'm like, really? The so mark? Genetics. (laughs) In the wake of sharing those traumatic experiences I had as a child, I have been plagued with an overwhelming sense of unease. Initially, I attributed this to the fear I had experienced in simply recounting and reliving those terrible events in my mind. But as the days passed, it felt like so much more. A feeling of impending doom consumed my every thought. While sleep came to me, rested not. It's like you sometimes. (laughs) Each morning I awoke, my nerves on edge. As if deprived of sleep for an age, nothing overtly frightening happened during the first few nights. There was no visitations, no unwelcome bedfellows, no wheezing breaths reaching out from the deep within my bedroom walls. But I had that distant, familiar feeling of not being alone. Don't misunderstand this, I did not sense something in the room with me. I did not hear, smell, or feel anything remotely supernatural, but throughout my days and nights, I have sensed something subtle, almost on the periphery of my awareness. The feeling that something is on its way, something is coming, like the first few stagnant blasts of air from a subway tunnel, heralding the arrival of a lurching, unstoppable monstrosity. It's surprising, but it's expected. I like that. Yeah, I like the imagery. My sense of unease grew with each passing day, pushing its way under my skin. Deep in my mind, like some form of cancerous infection, I tried to focus my attention on various writing projects in a vain attempt to fill my mind up to the brim with other thoughts, hopefully leaving no room for those contaminated memories, but those thoughts came to me nonetheless. My anxiety gained momentum until I could think of nothing else. I had to do something. See, I'd studied psychology for years at university. With this, I knew that anxiety is often the result of a loss of control, and that one of the most effective ways to combat it is to empower oneself. This is what I intended to do. Call it foolhardy, but I was going to go back to the place, that house where those terrible events took place. I was going to confront those memories and expose them for what they were. Nonsense. So quite a time jump. Yeah, and it feels like Oculus. This is now present day. He is in college. Or maybe not present day, but this is next stage we don't i don't know how old he is but he's been recounting these childhood yes. memories in parts one and two to now i am adulting yeah out of university young adulting yeah yeah so probably mid-20s at this point so that's a big jump it's like double the year um yeah it so it was an hour's drive to my old home but it was one filled with elation i was confident at ease happy I was in control now, and nothing was going to get in my way from showing that the place I had feared my entire life was nothing but an average, humdrum, harmless little suburban house. 
gleefully negotiating the, the county roads and then motorway, I finally I made it to the city. Gradually, the streets began to take on a familiar appearance. Memories of playing in that neighborhood came flooding back to me. A play park with my favorite slide, an ash pit where we used to play football, my school yard filled with hide-and-seek and friendships long since abandoned but never forgotten. My mind wandered through these memories like a prodigal son walking home. Wandered so much so that I realized it. I was pulling into the street that I'd lived. The road was long and it appeared far into the distance, finally entering into a sharp, blind turn. It was an old neighborhood and had been planned and built long before the advent of the car. That's a weird way to say that. That was a weird way to say car. This was evident by the narrowness of its roads, creating a strangely claustrophobic feeling as if the house on each side rose up, leering at passersby. My right eye doesn't focus as well as my left. Um, I have two different eyes, too. They, they, one is convex and one's concave. concave. Yeah. Eyes are both. I, uh, I cross. You cross? I cross. You played lacrosse? I got, I got a drift. Tokyo. 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 <laughs> Same. Which I actually, you know, now that I think about it, I think I like that one the most out of all the fast Best soundtrack, movies. too. Got it. Oh, wow. It, there was, like, a hair, like an eyelash, <laughs> an eyelash on yeah. your glasses. I was like, you made a wish. The best way is to blow it off. To make a wish. Slowly, I slowed my speed. Come true. No, I'm still alive. I slowed my speed. <laughs> that was mine. It's <laughs> uh, uh, great. I slowed my speed and cast my eye over each house that I passed. It was a uniform place with every house looking not dissimilar. My heart suddenly began to beat faster as a cold chill crawled up my spine. That was a bad heartbeat. Um, there it was, there was the house. It was late afternoon and the street was quiet, almost lonely. I stared at that little place wondering how such an ordinary home could have instilled so much fear in me. I initially intended to only look at the house from afar, confirming it to me as a material construction, entirely explicable and removed from anything uncanny. But as I parked, I took a deep breath and before I knew it, I was out of the car, walking towards that old metallic gate, its once bright floral shapes now darkened by age, flaking deep green paint, revealing nothing but rust underneath. I ran my fingers over its uneven top and with a subtle gasp, I pushed it open. Walking along the path, I was shocked at how disused the garden was. I thought of my, I thought to myself, uh, how much of a waste of good lawn it was, which was all but obscured by thick mosaic weeds and other invasive species. But as I neared the house, I realized why. It wasn't occupied. Once again, a shudder crept through me, but as my anxiety rose, I crushed it with my rational mantra. The simplest of explanations is usually the correct one. Uh, it's, it's, sure. And the only other thing I was going to say is, like, while you're reading it, um, you gotta remember that, uh, a Londoner wrote this. Yeah. You it, see the word, they write the word favorite with the, the O in way, the The way the sentence are structured, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it is. it's, um, we write things and say things so differently over here. And the, the almost languid Edgar Allan Shakespearean way yep. of writing a fucking sentence, it's just like, that's, it's not you. It's not your eyes. It's not. The, it's not the fucking. It's it's the fucking way the person wrote this. Yeah, definitely. I assume that due to the current economic climate, that the house had probably just been on the market for some time, and that the owner wasn't too aware of the old sentiment that the first bite is with the eye, 
but as I looked around, I could see no for sale sign, nor one to rent. It genuinely seemed as though this house had been forgotten, abandoned, left to rot. The windows at the front of the house were filthy, and as such, almost impossible to see through. But as I wandered around to the back of the building, I could see more clearly inside. I would have imagined that a house such as this wouldn't be empty. On the contrary, it was entirely occupied. Occupied by the trappings of a modern life, I could see a television sitting in the living room corner, a coffee table with magazines strewn across it. Various pieces of furniture were sitting as if ready to be used, and there was even a couple of coffee cups sitting on the windowsill, still full, covered in mold. I would have thought the house was lived in if not for a thick layer of dust lying over everything, accompanied by the occasional spiderweb. It seemed as though the most recent occupants left in a hurry and never returned. See, clambering through a sea of waist-high like, grass and bushes. I like that, too. I like that, too. Now, he has a good way of explaining things. Even if it's been... The, the house has been paid for. No one expects any upkeep. If people don't bring out trash and no one calls, you know, their work and tries finding out where they are, bill collectors or whatever, yeah. it'll, it could take years find a house like that in a, system, in a system and I, I mean I don't know how uh, the UK works but it would be scary yeah over here you know that could go unchecked for a very long time and I like that it's almost fresh I very much like that it's almost fresh that it, it's something recently happened that there's a horror he's been thinking about these things lately and it's almost brought them back to life and affected someone else but you know it's it, mirrored yeah essentially yeah essentially it's up it's just up to the same old shit My name's and, we're, and we're walking back into it and i like the rising action that we've encountered so far before you before you went to mask the onion right there it's just nothing about you saying it like that is anything even like the game <laughs> i know <laughs> which is why i'm just awestruck by you've now done it twice and i i'm a fan i'm a fan of what what you're what you're doing it's answer my eyes johnson here god damn it you've been filling your snapchat with that so much i, I can't stop it i'll just be driving and someone will pass me like hey i'm answer my eyes johnson you can't pass me i i've answered my eyes i saw that you think i don't see these things i can it's hard I can see them through the ants we are conscious is connected. <coughs> Fuck. I am the Ant Queen. <laughs> I'm not done. Clambering through a sea of waist-high grass and bushes, I eventually arrived at that innocuous little window at the back of the house. The very sight of it frightened me, but this was merely memory and not the strange feeling of being watched from within as I had experienced as a child. Peering in, the room looked eerily similar. I suppose, you know, I suppose that a little can be done with a room so small, like it's so oddly narrow, but through the dirt-covered glass, the room looked almost unchanged from when I had slept in it. A bed, a set of drawers, and what looked like an assortment of toys are on the floor. A profound sense of anger washed over me momentarily, but I shook it off with my mind. 
The room was clearly that of a child's, and the thought of this thing harming another innocent filled me with contempt for such a thought, and within me swelled the desire to protect any child from such an abomination. Now, as I gazed at that wall, which a bed lay aside it, the hairs on the back of my neck stood up. For a moment, and it was only the slightest, I thought I saw the blanket on top of the bed move. More than that, through the window pane, I could have sworn I heard a wheezing a gasp. Closing my eyes tightly, I repeated another scientific mantra. Science does not owe debts to imagination. <laughs> Opening my eyes, I saw nothing but an empty bedroom. No foul spirits. No unearthly things. Just a room, no more, no less. I breathed a sigh of relief, as if all was well in the world for the first time in many days. You may think that it was wishful thinking, but I genuinely felt that I had shown myself that there's nothing to be scared of other than my overactive imagination. I literally meant that I've been reading this as, like, I'm following along, but in my head, I'm reading this in a British fucking accent. What do you want me to talk about, Grace? It was starting to get dark, and I wanted to be home before the night. A bloody hell. Filled with, like, that sentence, no one would say that. Sorry, sorry, Gestalt. I was, it was getting... It was starting to get dark, and I wanted to be home before the night. I feel with confidence now that my anxieties were behind me. There was one last thing I, could, I needed to do. When we had left the house, we did so in a hurry. As a child, it was disorienting, even frightening, to leave everything I... You don't I... have to continue, it's okay. You <clears throat> did really well. You did really good. But there was one thing left that I had always wondered about. At the bottom of the garden stood a sycamore tree which looked to be an even older one than the house itself. I was amazed at how unchanged it was. I'd grown up, gone on to pastures new. Who <laughs> says gone, gone on to pastures, pastures new? I'd gone on to pastures new. But, but the, the old sycamore still stood. Wise, warm, warm, almost friendly in its appearance. <laughs> I think it's right a passage for any child to have a place to hide things. It's like often drugs from your mum and your dead friend's body after you found out he cheating on you. Fuck. Fucking hell, man. This is what happens. <laughs> it's often their first experience with independence, you see. Something removed from any authority figure. For me, my stash was halfway up the old sycamore. I'm, I'm sure I must have looked like a fool. But I was happily and gleefully climbed the tree with abandon. Okay. The configuration of the branches had changed in places, but overall the same happy memories of playing against the limbs of the old sycamore, of having a little piece of the wood to myself, away from everyone else, seemed vivid, as if it was remarkably unchanged, Master Bruce. <laughs> Halfway up, I caught my breath and smiled to myself. In the central trunk of the tree lay a hollow, whether it had been created by an animal, or perhaps the tug of a gale on a weakened branch long ago, I do not know this guy has finesse, but it was where I kept things. If I found something which I was sure would be taken from me for being inappropriate, inside the hollow it would go. The truth is though, the majority of the items inside were not very interesting, most just toys and rarely exotic pieces of contraband like a slingshot or smoke bombs. I had no reason to hide toys, but when I was young it felt adventurous to have a secret. The hollow was dark and filled halfway with rotting leaves. No doubt deposited there with some countless autumns. Nevertheless, I reached deep inside of what remained. 
I couldn't believe it. I'd found a toy that I'd hidden there before we moved all these years ago. I couldn't feel the plastic in my hand. Stop. Okay, I could You need to stop changing accents. You're making me go crazy. I'm I don't sorry. know what to expect. No, it's okay. It's not I'm sorry, I'm Mom. <laughs> I can feel the plastic in my hands. Lula. With sharp objects. I don't even want you to finish this. I can feel this. I can feel the plastics in my hand. Its sharp edges, unmistakable. But the leaves and darkness of the hollow obscured its view from me as I struggled to remove it from the thick, wet mixture of rotting leaves and rainwater. That was it, a sentence. That was one long <laughs> sentence. It seemed to be caught amongst a collection of small twigs. The reason I was so excited was that I knew when we moved that I had left one of my favorite toys behind, a small plastic First World War British soldier. It may not sound like much, but I had grown up on my family's stories of my grandfather's adventures during both wars, and while he had passed away before I was born, I would often act out exaggerated versions of the stories with this small soldier in the role of the hero, my intrepid grandfather. At the time, I thought a hollow the perfect hiding place for a soldier. My delight, however, quickly turned to horror. I felt sick to my stomach, for I, as I pulled the soldier out, I realized it wasn't my toy, it was something else entirely. Stuffed into the back of the hollow amongst the sludge, and now in my hand was the skeletal remains of a small animal. The bones crunched together in my grip as the few small flakes of hair and flesh left on it putrefied between my fingers. I almost lost my balance as the rotten and potent smell of death escaped through my moist grasp, invading my senses. I love the word moist. I climbed back down carefully, dejected. There was nothing else in the hollow. My toy was gone, probably taken by another child during the subsequent years. What remained of the poor animal, I buried it under some loose earth. If that was me, I would have, like, thrown it and been like, fuck! I would have been like, yeah! Yeah, right? Yeah. <clears throat> I left that place immediately. Oh, come on. Despite my unfortunate encounter in the hollow, I still felt empowered that I had actually plucked up the courage to revisit that place, right? To see how ordinary it really was made me feel in control for once. I did not, at that time, require anything other than a conventional explanation. I said goodbye to the old neighborhood, ciao to the old bad memories, once and for all, and began to make my way onward. By the time I had driven onto the motorway, something was filtering through the back of my subconscious. At first I disregarded it, dismissing it as my imagination, but as the sun shone its last and dipped below the horizon, I sensed the growing of a compulsion in me, an idea that seemed to have been born and nurtured for no good reason. Oh, that's such a good line. No rationale, no sound caused casual footing, but one which had been followed and it should be followed at all costs. I must get home. I increased my speed, zipping sporadically between the slower cars on the motorway, looking into the rearview mirror, keeping an eye on what might be following. I had to get home. Again, I drove faster, constantly looking behind as if racing behind some unseen pursuer 70, 80, 100 miles an hour. I tore along the road. I beeped. I yelled. The sweat lashed off of me. What was happening to me? Please get home. White-knuckled, I finally made it off the motorway and onto the county roads, which led directly to my town. The roads were narrow and wound along the now bleak and ominous countryside. Darkness seemed to blanket the road in front of me. I turned my full beam on and breathed a sigh of relief to see a bright light again, even if it's artificial. This manic... 
anxiety which had seemed to grip me on the motorway appeared to have diminished. However, I still glared into the rearview mirror more often than I should have, just making sure there's nothing following me. But what a ridiculous thought, right? To think of something chasing my car to put myself and others in danger or speeding on a motorway? I'm madness. Still, madness or not, I had felt compelled to get away as quickly as possible. And even though I had managed to collect my nerves, the loneliness of the road I was on fueled my yearning for my own town, my own street, my own bed. Nervously, I traversed the web-like winding roads which seared through the countryside, feeling relieved at the first sign of a lamp post of civilization and of the boundaries of my town. I pulled up outside of my house, switched the engine off, and sat for a moment in silence. I had to stop this madness. Things coming out of walls, watchers smothering me at night, looking into someone's window like a prowler. All of this was lunacy. Madness. Tomorrow I would start afresh, no more writing about my childhood experiences, no more reliving of dreaded filled nights, just getting back to normal, carrying on my work, spending time with my girlfriend, and most of all, reaffirming my belief, faith, and confidence in science and rationality. Then the thing in the back seat leaned over and grabbed me by the shoulder and breathed a foul, rancid breath from deep inside its lungs down the back of my neck. I scrambled for the door, my arms flailed around looking for the lock. Fear possessed me, shook me, a fear I remembered all too well, a fear from all those years back, lying awake at the night in that sickening room. The insides of the car had grown colder, but that was nothing compared to the icy fingers burrowing into my shoulder. I only honestly thought that I was gonna die, that this thing would finally get its way after all this time. The door handle popped, in my panic grip and I fell out of the driver's seat onto the pavement. For the briefest of moments I caught, I, th I thought I caught a glimpse of something in the backseat vague, the form of an old man, like an old man yet twisted, distorted, grinning from ear to ear. Luckily there was no one around me, as if there would I would have appeared a fool, running from my car as it was empty. I grabbed the keys from the ignition, booted the door shut with my foot, locked it for the night. I staggered down the path to my house. I am not going to lie to you, but I did trick myself to sleep that night. You might recall that I had said I had evidence, right? Physical evidence of something unnatural. You might be wondering what that is, right? Well, I could say that it was the marks on my shoulder that made me shudder with fear, or I could tell you that my bedroom window was lying open this morning. But what looked like there was claw marks tonight or any other night. But no, none of that scared me as much as what I saw today upon waking. Sometimes the most frightening of messages are the most simple. For lying on my chest as I woke this morning was a toy soldier. The toy soldier I had hidden in the hollow all those years ago returned to me as an adult, bitten in half. <laughs> I really liked that. Like what the... I like where it's going and yeah. I like... I, I like the car part. You're, you're right to assume his prose is weird, but I think it adds character. Hmm? He is being very languid. Some of the parts are amazing. I'm, I'm agreeing. Like, some of the way that he talks is fantastic. Other points, it's like you're overdoing a boy to sound smart, but most of it is good prose. It is odd, and it's not narratively a structure. Not narratively. It's not yeah. grammar like a structure yeah. right here. Yeah, yeah. Which is fine. I write weird. That's fine. Yeah. It's just, as I'm reading it, it's getting easier to read. 
because I'm starting to look weird up. So part four is called Something Wicked This Way Comes. What's the first thing that comes to mind? It comes at night. Oh, really? Because I thought Something Wicked This Way Comes was a Stephen King story. I don't know every Stephen King story. I'm sorry. Uh, no, no, no. It's cool. Um, I just thought it you, sounds you like might. it, though. No. Um, I think it's the one, um, the one where the guy shows up during the storm people are huddled in the church and it's like literally the devil and he starts saying um, Ray Bradbury oh it's Ray Bradbury um and it's uh, the boys learn about combating fear the carnival's leader is a mysterious Mr. Dark who like ooh that's creepy his presence is countered by that of Will's father who harbors his own secret fear of growing older because he feels he okay. is too old to be yeah. his dad okay no, never yeah. mind. I, I must be thinking of the wrong thing anyway Something wicked this way comes. Last night was the most heart-wrenching and frightening of my life, so much so that I can barely bring myself to contemplate it. By now, I will have submitted what occurred during my visit to that cursed place I once called home, a visit which heralded the return of my childhood fears. No matter what foul thing befell me then, nothing could have prepared me for last night. <laughs> After waking up to the chilling sight of that toy soldier bitten in half, I found that the window to my bedroom was slightly ajar. On closer inspection, it looked entirely as if the window had been prized open from outside. The latches were bent back, out of position, as if subjected to an unrestricted, unbound brute force. From the outside looking in, I could see three indentations where the unwelcomed housebreaker had used some kind of tool to leverage the window unnaturally away from its latch. What was peculiar... I hate that word. I know. What was peculiar about those markings was that they seemed to cut across the outside of the window frame like an old uneven razor, unlike a crowbar or other implement, which would have merely left a dent where it had been as a wedge to force the window open. Nothing had been stolen, and I attempted to rationalize the markings on the window as human-made and not claw-like as they appeared to be, which is where I immediately went. How I do you understand. not see this and think those are fucking claws? I would have just bolted seeing claws. Like, Fuck see, yeah, yeah, dude. No way. The, t- the toy soldier might have been enough to be like, people fucking with me, and then the claw marks is like, that's a monster, man. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, this is no bueno, I'm gone. Yeah, Good no bueno. Done. The toy soldier returned to me so violently, I could not explain. My heart sank at the very thought of it. I knew it was a message, but it seemed to be more of a twisted joke announcing the arrival of my childhood predator, rather than something to be puzzled over or interpreted. I spent the morning checking each room of my house and its contents. Nothing was missing. I can only hope that whatever that fiend had been in the backseat of my car the previous night, that it had only wished to frighten me one last time and then be on its way. F- fucking idiot. <laughs> Perhaps its reach would it's be weakened so far from my childhood. Better. Logical this asshole's gonna sleep in this fucking house. Yeah, because he's one of the logical people that says you'll literally see like a supernatural, like like a yeah. ghost in front well, of him. That's just that's uh, just a light. That's just light. It's like it possesses his friend and kills, and everyone just dies. He's like, that just dude, a dream. That dude had that dude he had, had weird. He he was weird. Yeah, he that floated. guy was always weird. Uh, he didn't really flow. <laughs> That's not a flow. That was a slight gravitate. Like he whatever. He jumped. A he jumped bit. and then stayed. <laughs> it is all too easy for any sane person to persuade themselves that a traumatic event is something more benign. But in this instant, I could not. That broken toy was not a mere joke, but a promise—a promise that it would return for what I did not wish to know. 
My thoughts naturally tumbled inwards and back to those terrifying nights I had as a child. I was now reintroduced to the apprehension of bedtime, for longing for the day and the anxiety of night. Like an old and relentless enemy, my fear grew throughout the day, festering inside of me, leading to strange and ominous thoughts about the consequences of unwittingly bringing that thing home. Do not misunderstand me. I think I misunderstand. My fear was not simply for my own safety. As a child, I believed that my nightly visitor was transfixed and consumed by wanting me, but I did not feel that my loved ones were in any danger. This, however, had changed. Mm -hmm. I did worry. This time, I feel nothing but fear for my loved ones because, you see, I do not live alone. My girlfriend good, and I moved in part. together over two years ago. Ooh. Didn't see that coming. Didn't see it either. I have caused enough damage now that I do not wish to speak her name and will simply refer to her as Mary. Mary and I had a happy existence and, in fact, were very much in love. This coming Christmas morning, I was going to propose to her, but that beautiful moment has now been bitterly taken away from me by that rancid abomination. I knew that Mary would be home that evening. She works in events and promotion and, as a result, is often away from home for days at a time, traveling around the country, coordinating various conferences and exhibitions. I do not complain about this, as she and I both know that I'm a solitary character, and that the odd few days of solitude normally do me good, allowing me to dive headlong into my writing, absorbing each and every word undisturbed. Despite this, I always miss her, and with the events of the past week reliving those torturous nights and then allowing them to return, I had missed her far more acutely than I had ever previously done so. She arrived around 6pm, and I greeted her with a smile, a warm embrace, and a passionate kiss. I tried to hide my perturbed state of mind from her, but Mary knows me better than anyone I've ever met and immediately inquired, what's wrong? I tripped and fumbled through my words as I explained to her that I had written a story about my childhood and that was exploring those dark and twisted memories had left me distraught. Mary has an incredible, caring nature, and she immediately lay her suitcase and bags on the floor, sat me down on her couch, and with her soft and gentle way, asked me to talk about the whole ordeal, but I couldn't. I couldn't mention this. This thing, this wretch, which had now found its way into our home, an invisible and twisted invader which had been led here by my idiotic curiosity. At the time, I felt like she would think me mad, but now, how I wish I had told her the truth. If there is one thing more damaging to a relationship than a lie, it is a half-truth. Not because it is deceitful, but because it is a corruption of the truth. Perverted and abused to suit the teller's needs, I told her my half-truth. I told her about my story, that of the thing in the narrow room and the watcher at the end of the bed, but that is where the truth ended and a lie began. I deliberately and deceitfully mentioned that it was, of course, just my imagination as a child and neglected to talk about any of the experiences of returning to the scene and those depraved crimes. Knowing that she would see the damaged window latch and claw marks, I spun my web as I told a grand tale about waking up to a burglar attempting to break into our house and having to chase them away. I was quite the hero. I lied to her and she showed me great sympathy and kindness for my deception. I was embarrassed by the truth then, and I am in shame of my lie now. If I had been truthful, then perhaps we could have faced this menace together, but instead that thing took advantage of my dishonesty and put a wedge between us. The events of last night desecrated the most important thing in the world to me. Nighttime arrived in all of its bleakness and was unwelcome. I lay in the darkness, waiting, and Mary was sound asleep next to me, each breath a soothing reminder of companionship, but despite my growing aversion to loneliness, I would have no sleep that night. 
I knew from experience that when my uninvited guest would show itself, it would do so with subtlety, increasing its grip on me with each visitation as if requiring time to build up its strength, a leech feeding on my fear for succor. My nerves kept me on edge, which fought back the oncoming onslaught of sleep admirably. In the end, though, biology won, and as my bedside clock lumbered towards 4am, sleep took me. The relaxing blanket of nightly oblivion, anxiety washed away, my worries a distant memory, sinking deeper into the soft mattress below, and finally into a long sought for rest. Sleep no matter how deep is rarely all-encompassing, for as I hovered over the cusp of a dream, something began to bother me. Something invasive, yet distant. I slowly opened my eyes and allowed them to adjust to the darkness. Mary lay soundly asleep, and I calmed myself by listening to her breathing in the night. The inhale was followed by exhale again and again. Rhythmically, hypnotically, I began to drift towards sleep once more. But no. There it was. Something else, distinct yet undefinable. It was distant, out of the way, almost obscured or smothered, as if coming from behind something. I strained my ears in an attempt to define it, but it was all too quiet. I remained in the bed for several more minutes, but with each passing second, that almost inaudible sound grated on me like broken glass on a raw nerve. Sleep was now abandoned, and with much frustration I decided to reluctantly investigate the source of the noise. I sat up in the bed and listened intently. It was unlike any other sound I had ever heard. Quiet, low, but as my mind adjusted to the noise, I slowly began to piece its nature together. It was most certainly obscured by something, but the closest thing I could relate to was a repetitive murmur. I heard something similar previously when I was a child visiting my grandmother in a nursing home, a place which had left an impression on me, seeing the wandering residents confused and of a fractured mind meandering around the grounds like lost inmates murmuring repetitively to themselves of days gone past, repeating nonsensical phrases and words. This is what it reminded me of, a continuous stream of indecipherable words uttered by someone in the throes of confusion. I turned to check on Mary, watching her chest rise and fall with each breath. Assured that she was undisturbed, I left the bed. As I stood up, I recognized immediately that the murmuring was louder. While dark, I had left a light on in the hall, as I always do, which crept under the door and allowed me to view the room in a dim but visible way. I looked around to see if anything was out of place, but the room appeared as suspected. My mind ambled back to that night as a child in the second room, when noises could be heard from some unseen yet ever-present menace. I took a step forward, and as I did, so the noise once grew again in volume. While I was still at a loss in deciphering the words, I could now hear the character of the voice. It was old, scratched by age, with a harsh, guttural undertone to it. The words were being repeated at a frantic pace and seemed anxious, yet muffled by some unknown barrier. I was frightened, but I drew strength from Mary being in the room, and with a deep breath filled with trepidation, I took another slow and silent step forward, and my bare feet cushioned by the cold floor below. Again, the voice became louder. I wasn't sure if it, I was imagining it, but I could have sworn that it had become more agitated as I drew closer. The next step I took shook me to my very core, for as that murmuring, garbled voice grew louder still, amongst the rambling, graveled sound of it, I heard a word. 
A word which shot an icy shudder through my bones. A word to be feared. It spoke my name. I was gonna say the Krabby Patty formula. <laughs> I would like I would like to think that the word was something inexplicably offensive as niggling. <laughs> Yes. Dear God, it <laughs> knew my name. To me, it was as if knowing who I was somehow endowed that thing with an unlimited reach. That it, I may never be rid of it. That it could kill me at any moment. Nickelback. I love that. That's great. That's good. Something suddenly caught my eye. A movement accompanied by a ruffle of cloth. I knew now where that rhythmic, agitated voice originated. I knew now why it was muffled difficult to decipher. I can now see it, only a few feet in front of me, standing behind the closed curtains. The moon was in its ascendary outside, and while its glimmer could not entirely penetrate the thick cloth, it could barely and faintly outline the thing watching between my window and the curtains. I cannot now convey the strangeness which that overcame me. My anxiety and terror had heightened, but at an unusual compulsion, an untimely sense of purpose took me over. I had to see what it was. I took another tentative step towards the curtains. They swayed slightly, as if caught by a breeze, but I could not tell whether the movement had been caused by myself or the hand of that thing hiding behind a shroud of cloth. I was now close enough to hear its labored breathing, the displacement fluid at the back of its throat palpable with each inhalation. This was it. I was going to confront this monstrosity from my past, this tormentor of children, this coward. Raising my right hand slowly, I accidentally touched the fabric of the curtain, causing a subtle ripple which parted them momentarily. I gasped for through that temporary slit only for a moment I saw it. My god, how can I describe what was standing there? Even now I close my eyes and wish that I could erase it from my memory. It shivered and shook as it continued to murmur, repeating some indecipherable phrase sounding like a bizarre mixture of numerous languages. Its emaciated skin stretched over an unnatural frame of brittle and prominent bones, vertebrae, ribs, and other inner workings almost protruding through its paper-thin pale languidy, pink and almost bruised-looking husk. That was a fucking sentence. As malnourished as it appeared, the stomach was distended in places and its bony appearance did nothing to diminish the feeling that it was capable of exerting itself with brute, perverted force on any of its victims. Sickness swelled in my stomach, a tainted, offensive smell filled the air, and as it murmured and whispered in the darkness through what sounded like broken, fractured teeth, I could not help but feel pity for this wretch, quivering in the night as a victim of a long starvation. I quickly came to my senses and realized that this thing was not to be pitied, but feared. Not to be understood, but exposed. It was not shivering because it was cold, it was shaking with excitement, like a drug addict anticipating their next dose. Standing there, contemplating what I had seen between the curtains, I once again prepared myself to remove its shrouded cloth protection and to reveal it for what it was, a cold-hearted vandal, a prowler of the worst kind, a deviant festering in its own delectation. As I once again raised my hand to draw the curtain, something caught my attention. Its incessantly confused
confused, gravelly, and inarticulate whispers squeezed through that broken mouth and uttered the three most terrifying words I have ever heard. I love you. No, it said, uh, look behind you. A cold breath slid down the back of my neck. Momentarily, I froze, but love is a powerful motivator. Had I been on my own, fear would have taken me, shaking any possibility of resistance from my mind. But with Mary sleeping soundly in the same room as that thing, shielding someone I loved from that wretch was my only thought. I turned around slowly, and as I did so, I could hear it wheezing, gasping, groaning for air. At a quarter turn, I could smell its breath. The stench of death hung in the air, plague-like and foul. Then I heard another voice. It was not that horror in the darkness, but Mary. She let out a scream which startled and distressed me to my very core, a scream which will haunt me for the rest of my days. I turned quickly and laid eyes on it, but it wasn't behind me, it was on the bed. It writhed and rasped, wheezing into light, its bony spine curved from the anguish of countless years protruding through a ragged, torn piece of cloth which hung loosely over its torso in a vain attempt to appear almost human. But was it human? Had it once been human? Or was it something so vile, so despicable, so utterly and sorrowfully contemptible that no man or woman could ever attempt to quantify or understand it? I sprung forward toward it, grabbing, hitting, pulling at the thing with every ounce of my strength, its loose skin slipping through my hands. It squeezed and forced Mary's face into the pillow with glee as the other limbs arched and contorted, tearing at her nightdress, running its long, starved fingers over her naked body with its sordid caress. Mary's screams were muffled by the pillow as I began to fear that she was being suffocated. No. I shouted. I yelled. I pleaded with the thing to leave her alone to take me to do anything it wanted, but that only served to animate the fiend to even greater depths of depravity. It was hurting her, cutting her. My beautiful Mary. Suddenly it stopped attacking her, but it still kept one of its brittle, gangly, and gaunt yet weighted hands on the back of Mary's head, pushing her face further into the pillow. I had my hands around its putrid neck, trying as best as I could to strangle the beast, but my efforts were in vain. Its scrawny frame belied its overpowering strength. I watched in sickly disbelief as it began to run its cadaverous finger through Mary's hair slowly, and almost with affection. I could now hear the twisting and cracking of bone, the popping of cartilage, the snapping of tendons. Thank God it was not coming from Mary. I was now on its back, with an arm wrapped around its throat and my chin rubbing against the abrasive skin of its shoulder. As its spine dug sharply into my stomach, it twisted its head in an entirely inhuman way. Its neck clicked and groaned under the strain of with every arthritic movement as if hindered by a thousand years of rigor mortis. It was now looking at me. I have heard it often said of some people that they cannot see the forest for the trees, but now I truly appreciate that sentiment, so close was I to its black, icy stare that I could not take in its surrounding features. I increased my grip. I swore I screamed. I would have torn its throat out if I could have, but it was all in vain, and as it continued to run its scrawny fingers through Mary's hair nonchalantly while looking at me, I don't think I ever will truly recover from the sound which seeped out through what I assumed to be an approximation of a grin, a wheezing sigh, a grunt something which sounded very close to a sinister, otherworldly laugh. As its face touched mine, it 
Kate's eyes stared deep into me. Not even my reflection was returned. Two looking glasses into a sanctuary for the dark, devoid of light, happiness, and love. It was staring as if it wished to say something, as it was trying to communicate a simple idea to me. Malice. With a retching, stuttered, and violent movement, it tore an entire fistful of hair from Mary's head, leaving behind an open wound. Then it was gone. Mary did not scream. She merely whimpered. I turned the bedside lamp on, but no words or care or sympathy could console her. She wept uncontrollably. The bed was soaked in blood, which had seeped out from the numerous scratches on her back and large cut where an entire section of her hair had once been. I hugged her. I told her that everything would be alright. And then she looked at me. Looking at her tear-filled eyes, I knew that she thought immediately. She thought I had attacked her. That I had done those terrible things to her. Of all the experiences I have had, the look of betrayal, disgust, and contempt on Mary's face will remain the most painful. She's gone. After composing herself, she gathered up some things and left. I tried to explain, I tried to tell her everything that had been happening, but she wouldn't listen. Who would believe such a preposterous story? She simply said that she would not call the police, but that if I ever attempted to contact her, she would do just that. To her, I was the aggressor, not the thing. As she left, she turned to look at me one last time and then burst into tears. I know now that I have lost her forever. The woman I love more than anything on this earth thinks I am a violently hideous human being. If only she could understand that whatever did this, that it was not human, and if it ever was, it had long since abandoned that nature. It was 5 a.m. when Mary left me. It's 9 a.m. now. I'm sitting here in the cold light of day at my kitchen table writing things so that there is some record of what transpired so that people know, so that Mary knows that whatever happens, that whatever occurs from here on in, that this is what that despicable creature from my childhood, from that cursed narrow room, all those years ago, which rained this misery down upon me, upon us. I must now dispense with the sentiment. I could easily sit here mourning the loss of my relationship with Mary, or I could allow myself to be overcome with fear, to do nothing, but that simply will not do. I can hear the laughter of my neighbor's children outside. At different stages in my life, I remember that same feeling of joy and happiness from something as simple as playing with friends or climbing a tree or kissing the woman you love or even drifting off to sleep at bedtime to dream of what could be in the safety of a happy family home. Memories only. Memories. I fear I will never experience that happiness again. This thing has broken me, but I am resolute. Whatever that hideous wretch has in store, whatever it desires to do with me, I will not allow that thing to harm another person or to invade another child's life as it did mine all those years ago. I must leave you all now as there is much to be done before it gets dark, before it returns. My plans are made, and with any luck, they will succeed. I wish I could say we will speak again, but I think that is unlikely. I hope you understand what must be done, because tonight, I'm going to kill it. I, I like that part, by the way. Mm -hmm. I thought it was I thought it was super cool. I like what it's doing. And yeah, I, and it's, do, it's doing exactly going. what I wanted it to do. Yeah, and, definitely. Um, it's fun. And uh, I, I want it to hurt, so it's it's doing its job. Part five, sleep tight. I'm shaking as I write this. I was released by the police less than two hours ago, and I'm compelled to record the events of the past day and night as quickly and as accurately as possible. 
in some ways I want to forget, but I know I can't, and I know I shouldn't. For my own sanity, I must divulge what has happened. It's far too important. Should I ever allow myself to be swayed by the mechanical, rational nature of the world once again, these words should serve to remind me that what is unseen is both mysterious and frightening. After Mary left, I knew I'd lost her forever, but rather than be consumed by depression and inaction, I was invigorated by one purpose, by one thought, by one idea that I knew I had to carry out. I had to destroy that thing, for I could not allow the chances that it may one day hurt my loved ones or desecrate the innocence of another child. I also knew that I faced death, but feeling that I already had lost everything, that was a small price to pay. It is said that revenge is a dish best served cold, but having waited my entire adult life to get rid of this thing, its memory and the shadow that it had cast upon me, I meant the proposition of killing this fiend, this corrupted and perverted force with a smile on my face. Righteous. That night, it would be dead, even if I had to drag it to hell with me. Busying myself for the next few hours, I packed a bag and wrote a letter to Mary and her family explaining what had happened and that they weren't to blame. I phoned my mother and father, then my brother, just to hear their voices one last time, but I did not let them in on that I thought I may never speak to them again. My mother's intuition led her to ask if everything was alright. I smiled, and I told her I loved her before reluctantly saying goodbye. You gotta go hunt the ghosts, Mama. Okay, son. I'm doing it. You do you. I'm doing the Ghostbusters. At about nine, at about nine, seven, at about seven o'clock, I made my way out of the car. The sun had already set, and the streets seemed eerily quiet, as if the scene of an unattended funeral. I sat in the driver's seat, leaving the door of my other side open, awaiting my most unwelcome passenger. By nine o'clock, nothing out of the ordinary had occurred. The place remained deserted, and the cold night air flowed through the open door. It was beginning to bite. As I sat there, contemplation echoed through my mind. I ruminated on the nature of this cadaverous parasite. One question rose out of a sea of thoughts, towering above all else, unmoving and cautious, continuous. Can I kill something that's already dead? I did not know if this thing was of the grave or some otherworldly specter which could be considered alive in some way, but just as I reevaluated my plan there, it was. It was subtle at first, but there was a smell, almost indistinguishable shift in the suspension of the car. Had it been any other circumstance, I would have put this down to be a gust of wind pushing and pulling at the chassis, but I was all too familiar with that feeling from all those years ago, as the bunk bed would shift slightly with that thing clamoring into the bottom bunk. I knew its foul calling card. The air grew dense as if contaminated by some nearby corpse. It was in the car with me, unseen, yes, but there nonetheless. And as I heard the slightest of whispered breath from the backseat, I leaned over and calmly closed the passenger door. I turned the key in the ignition, and as I pulled out of the street, I could have sworn I heard a quiet yet distinctly malicious snigger, as of something mocking me. <laughs> Didn't know what I planned to do. Our destination was not far, but the roaming hills throughout which our taken country road permeated, it rose up and distinguished with regularity. It was a stark reminder of the ominous isolation of Occasionally, on the way, I could hear something from behind, but I refused to look at that thing in the dark. Patience? It would not be long before I would confront it. The irony hit me. I was worried of scaring off the same thing which had terrified and tortured me as a child. I had to be resilient, and so drove carefully and calmly through the countryside, swamped by darkness, hoping that my unearthly passenger would not suspect me. I arrived. The wheels of the car struggled and slid under the undergrowth as I headed off the narrow country road. The landscape had opened up, and as I looked at the broken and 
rotting trees around me, I felt as if it was fitting to come to this bleak place in the cold night to destroy the bleakest of things. The land suddenly came to an abrupt end, a cliff etched out by an old quarry, looking deep into the black waters of the lake below. See, the cliff edge was relatively flat and had, in fact, at one point housed a road which had subsided into the lake years earlier. The local kids would tell stories about the vengeful ghosts or of those who were killed during the subsidence, but they were just stories. Or perhaps they weren't. In, in the past, I would have disregarded such tales, but who would believe mine if I told it to them? I switched the engine off and parked several meters away from the cliff edge, switching off any lights and composing myself for what would come. I sat in the car for what seemed like a lifetime, the only company given to me by the occasional splash of water against the cliff below. I waited. This thing was smart, of that there was no doubt. It had toyed with me, relishing the pain and torment it had caused as only something of a cold, frozen intellect could. For this reason, I knew it would suspect me, and perhaps even flee if I brought the car too close to the cliff's edge. I had to wait for it to attack. Lead it to feet. Let it revel and gorge on itself on me. Perhaps then it would not notice as I slowly plunged the car into the dark, icy water below. Okay. Why? I don't really like where this is going if he's just gonna try to drown it because it's a ghost. That's what I mean, like... In what world does a Brit not think like, I fuck exorcist. I I need a fucking priest, mate. I don't know. I think that... Fucking hell. Actually, the, um... The events that inspired Conjuring were, uh, popular. The Enfield House? Yeah. Shit like that was real fucking popular in Britain. So, ghosty ghosts and... What is this? Uh, late 2000s or something? Yes. You know, this is early 2000s? Yeah, dude. I was gonna drown that bastard. Yeah, it's interesting, it's interesting, though. You know. We'll see where hol- it goes. Like, holy water. I get... Uh-huh. Bless the sea. <laughs> uh, bless the sea. Okay, I die. I had appraised the potential consequences in my head, and reasoned that there would be a moment, a singular moment, where I could have a slim opportunity to escape the car just before it reaches the edge. What a badass. Mary and I used to go there occasionally, a place to be together away from everything else, and it did not look nearly as stark during a summer's day. I therefore had the place in mind and knew it well. The drop was at least 30 feet to the depths below, and I did not want to be in the car as it hit the water, nor trapped inside with that abomination. So I waited. Then I heard it slowly at first, and then increasing in rate and volume, a rasp wheezing breath from behind. Strangely, it sounded more labored than before. Each breath a struggle, filled with fluid, rotten, and decayed. A shiver ran up my spine, a foul, rank smell filled the air. The breath drew closer from behind. My heart began to race, beating hard and fast as I looked up and saw the windscreen begin to ice from the inside. I could see my breath, a natural thing indeed, but what was unnatural was the breath visible moving across the, my face from the side. I turned slowly, wanting to cry, wanted to leave, run into the night, but I had to stay. I could not allow it to escape. I was sitting in the passenger seat. It's fucking off. I was staring at it, and it had me hunched over, covered by darkness, contorted, gaunt, hands seized as fighting rigor mortis. It slowly moved towards me. One bony leg cracked and groaned as it slid over my lap and onto the other side. It was gonna sit on me. Let me get the door for you. That thick body. It 
you don't want to be here. I see you're uncomfortable. But I, just, I understand. I'll just have to go for it. It's fine. It's fine. We, we, I, I know we planned this out. We don't have out. to hang out tonight. Like, I get it. I know we, we planned it. We don't have to hang out tonight. Yeah. This is... Something for us, man. It was sitting on me. It pulled itself in close to me, and through a shard of light provided by the moon, I saw its face. Skin hung on its jagged features, glassy eyes staring deep into me as a grin spread up its face unnaturally wide as the result of its half-rotten flesh exposing the rotten muscles, broken teeth, and sinews of its rancid smile beneath. Look, it looks like my face is like, I have so much skin like randomly like here and here, and I can be like, look, it's a mask. Doesn't look like a mask. Doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, look you, do have a, you do have a natural amount of extra skin on your jawline. It's like, hey, look. That's just fat. Look at it. Let's just chub. I can't pull it. That's a cute chub. Oh. It's cute. Um, <laughs> I don't know what I am anymore. Um, <laughs> pulling closer, it opened its mouth, revealing a wet and putrid tongue, which should be could be seen through part of its missing jaw, wheezing, breathing heavily. A foul stench which stung my eyes and filled my mouth elicited a response from me as I retched. My body attempted to expel its poisonous fumes and as I did so it stopped for a moment and then cackled to itself, happy content. Staring into its icy cold eyes, it yet gave the impression of an afflicted and increasingly weak old man. It was incredibly strong, but it seemed as though it had lost some of its potency. Perhaps leaving the elongated room had somehow affected it? Its long, protruding fingers caressed my face, and then, as a show of intent, it stuck one of them deep into my shoulder. I screamed as it bent and twisted inside of me, the rotting fiend moving its finger to cause the maximum amount of damage and pain that it could. And as it did so, its hand slid down my body, and it touched me. It was time. With my free arm, I turned on the ignition, and though my shoulder was still pinned to the seat as I, I managed to fight through this pain, I put the car into gear and took off as fast as I could. But you can't you roll out with him on top of you. You can you roll out with him, bud. Yeah, he's literally in you right now. <laughs> in many yeah. ways. Yeah. The creature flailed and screamed at attempt to climb no, over me. Okay. You could call me your creature. I like it. I am your creature, yeah. I, I get what it. What are we? We're a thing, what but I'm we? not going to call it a thing. That moment when you're like, I want to be a thing, but we're not a thing. So, like, do we call it a thing? If I say it a thing, are you Don't offended? Don't explain the thing? joke. Just move thing? on with No, it. are we a thing? We need to talk about this on the podcast. Everyone needs to hear it. Are we Are we a thing? But, like, you know, if we are, like, we have to make it official. Like, there is a Facebook. Like, that thing exists. Like, I'll make one for this. The creature flailed and it screamed. It attempted to climb over me into the back seat, but I held on with all of my strength. The thoughts of what it did to Mary enough to fuel my rage. Taste my dick. Climbing over your face. Don't let my balls hit you on the way out, boy. We raced towards the edge of the cliff and I eyed the driver's door frantically. As we neared Tokyo Drift. Tokyo! As we neared our icy plunge, I screamed in anger as it festered rancid face and pushed it off me. It scrambled into the back seat for dear life as I scrambled for mine by unlocking the door. It was too late, the car careening over the cliff face, and before I knew it, we hit the dark water, splitting the black glass-like surface with tremendous force. I should have died then, but an airbag took the brunt of my impact, although I still managed to scrape my head across the door frame. Dazed, I looked around. The sound that I had heard coming from that thing was malformed yet similar, the squeal of some 
demonic child soon gave way to the anguish and rage of an ancient intelligence which knew that what it faced was almost certainly death. The water was frozen and poured in through the now twisted open car door with such force that it winded me. I gasped for air as my unwillingly prey now did. It writhed and twisted as it looked for an exit. Spying the open door, it pulled itself through the water towards me. I curled up my fist and smashed it in its face. Pieces of rotten flesh flaked off under the impact as a dark black liquid oozed from the resulting wound. Again, it attempted to get past me. And I knew that to keep it in the car long enough to drown, I would have to die with it. I felt numb as the frozen water slipped over my chin. My heart struggled against the cold, and with a sudden surge, I was submerged and had breathed my last. I held my breath, but only to compose and ready myself for an icy, suffocating death. I hoped it wouldn't be painful. My thoughts returned to Mary and my family. An all-consuming sense of sadness and despair overwhelmed me. But as I struggled with that thing trying to get past me and through the door, grabbing and flaying with its arms, I looked down and saw it. Its leg was trapped between the dashboard and floor of the car by the impact of the fall, and although it could move, it could not leave. I turned, I, know. I turned immediately for the door. I could barely see, but a foot in front of me in that black water, but there was enough moonlight to light my way. Just as I got to the door, the wretch grabbed hold of me and pulled me back to it. It had given up all hope of escaping, but it wanted. So are we a thing? Are make we it. for real? This is like the third time we like put together. Right? What about the Facebook? What about the Facebook? It had given up all hope of escaping, but it wanted to drown me with it. We fought for what felt like an age in that cold, bitter grave as the car sank deeper and deeper into the darkness. I could now feel my body pleading with me to take a breath, to exhale my last gasp of air, and then inhale the frozen water. I'm happy to say that I used my wits to get out of such a horrible fate. Orienting my body, I pushed my feet against the dashboard and with enough force to escape at last with, from its slippery grasp. I do not remember much else, bar the anguished and hate-filled screaming that my tormentor let out as I left it to die at the bottom of that icy lake. I found myself walking through the wilderness, cold, wet, but alive. The wound in my shoulder slowed me down, but I kept the bleeding at bay by applying pressure to it with my other hand. It took me two hours to walk home, and I'm amazed I did not collapse from hypothermia plot armor. When I saw the familiar sight of the street that I lived on, I was filled with a sense of accomplishment, a sense of pride and triumph. I'd beaten that thing once and for all. That is until I went inside my house and found a trail of large wet footprints leading from the front door to my bed. Despair took me. Disbelief in it was sharp and overwhelming, and I am unable to convey it with mere words. It was lying in my bed waiting. <laughs> hey, so I thought we, I thought we could, you know, maybe they give it, maybe give this another, give this another shot. I get it. I tried to kill you, but like, can we, can we, can we try it again? Like, let's be real. I have, I have. It's, I, I wish I could quit you, but you're just a drug I need. And without you, I'm incomplete. In my bed, it, it was lying, waiting, a white sheet covering its emaciated body from sight. The human mind's a wonderful thing, just as you believe your body has reached a level of exhaustion that it cannot recover from, that your emotions are so frayed that you cannot feel like you can continue, a thought springs as if miraculous from a weary mind. Let it rest. For now. I quietly crept through the dark, picked up my wallet, which I'd left on a small coffee table in my living room. Leaving the door unlocked, I left to attend to a new plan and returned an hour later. With a moment's preparation, I slipped into a spare room, 
There I lay in that unsullied bed, waiting. I was sure that this was the end game, that instead of toying with me, it would come for the kill. How it had escaped that watery grave, I don't know. Spirit. But I would be damned if it would escape again. I would only hope so that I it would... So I bought a gun? Like, where is this going? Okay, let's... Let's be legit. I think the only thing this motherfucker needs right now is salt and silver. Pull it to his own hand because I don't like this. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I could only hope that it would sense me from the other room. <laughs> Keeping it. Move on. <laughs> you? That was the other room, Mark. Other room, Mark. Oh, oh hi. I closed my eyes. I closed my eyes, pretending to be sound asleep. A whole reading just talking no, about him. No, one day, one no, day. No, no. I closed my eyes, pretending to be sound asleep, Mark. Time lumbered onwards, and although I fought it, exhaustion finally took me, sending me into a deep slumber. <laughs> now in my head, I'm just reading. I woke with its hands around my neck. It coughed. It coughed and spluttered on top of me, Mark. Lisa was rancid black liquid dripping from her face as it oozed from its facial wounds. I'm so fed up with this world. I struggled <laughs> to read this, grasping for air, hoping that I had the strength in me to escape its dank grasp. But it was too strong. The dank was too strong. And my man. hands could not grip it with any sense of conviction as it seemed to be dripping wet from plunging into the lake. It may not have seemed rational at the time, but as my vision dimmed and the last light of consciousness extinguished within me, I did as so many animals do in their last moments. I play dead. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. we'll see I like that. Lying motionless. Let's see how it plays out, Cotton. Lying motionless. Holding my breath, it shook me violently by the neck and then released me. Wake up. I was just having foreplay. Foreplay! I waited for my moment, my last chance to destroy this thing. Its labored breathing relaxed slightly and seemed to stare at me almost quizzically. I know you're not fucking dead. Like, I'm, I'm looking, looking at you, you like you I see your heart. What are you, how you got here? You're not hurt. What are we? What's your game plan? <laughs> I waited there for a shift of weight, which might let me throw it off to the ground, leaning down close to me. What's his end game? Leaning down close to me, <laughs> its wide, fighter. crumbled sneer puckered, gathering its putrid saliva in its mouth, and in what was left of its cheeks, it then showed utter contempt for the living and the dead. It spat its festering fluid onto my face, the remnants dripping down onto me through a hole in its jaw. He, this, this guy really likes Sam Raimi movies. Oh, you think Drag Me to Hell? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Just like blank stare, like. Yeah. I'm just like when people call my name, I'm just like. <laughs> See, I know people who do, don't like when you do that, but I think it's funny. Yeah, why don't they like that? I just <laughs> I like know. look at them with like dead eyes, like. But then again, I I <laughs> I like stupid shit. Wait, take a stop. Gestalt. What? And you never look at the person, but you try to look at them like... You look fine. <laughs> God damn it. Just like, no. It's just... It's great. I wanted to scream. To do anything to remove such a vile smear on my skin. But I dared not move. The timing was not right. Uh, leaning in closer, it prodded and scratched at the wound in my shoulder. The pain shearing through my body. With all my resistance, I remained 
motionless. Then it slowly and patiently slid two of its long, distended fingers into my mouth. That taste was overwhelming, rancid, rotten, dead. The arthritic clicking of its knuckles shook my resolve. As it arced its back in glee, it suddenly pushed its fingers deep down my throat. I gagged. An instinctive reaction. Instead of being shocked, a gargled laugh emanated through its broken teeth. As it thrust its fingers deeper down my throat, I felt its cold, harsh flesh scraping against the insides of my throat, pleading without words for it to stop. In our darkest moments, we sometimes find our true strength. What do you like? Write me a fucking like series of inspirational posters. Yeah, like it sounds like there's a like there's a cat at the bottom, and there's like the like a sun coming up, and like a hang on poster with a cat holding on. Hang on, baby. I rolled to my side under its weight against it, and finally managed to break free. Okay. I knew I knew you weren't dead. I fell onto the floor. It, its long reach grasped at my feet. I kicked and screamed, and at last was free. It yeah, stared at me. I fucked your face, though. I fucked your face a whole time. I haven't been able to do that in a long time. Your girlfriend sleeps. She sleeps on her stomach. I couldn't get to her mouth. That's like... And then I just got mad. You know, <laughs> I fell to the floor. Its long reach grasped at my feet. I kicked and screamed, and at last was free. It stared at me, but only for a moment. Rising up on top of the bed, its brittle bones cracked under its own force. It now towered tall and gaunt, ready to pounce. Since I was a child, I had been a victim. It had terrorized me, taken my innocence, taken my innocence, attacked Mary, and broken my life. I would not stand for it anymore. Sometimes the most dangerous prey is the one that can outthink you, the one that lures you into a false sense of dominance or superiority, the one who has conquered any fear of you with a sense of anger and betrayal. It has fallen into my trap, one conceived by logic, reason, and an understanding of the world through the eyes of a scientific mind. I'm not laughing at you, it's just the one thing that we said in part one was this guy says the same sentence four times the mm-hmm. same fucking way. Yeah calls it a paragraph look like yep. let's just let's just get it let's finish the story fire cleanses all as it groaned shrieked cracked and contorted readying itself to pounce in one swift motion i removed a blanket from the floor revealing a bucket filled with gasoline which i had bought in that short time of preparation i'll take it i threw it as hard as i could the liquid splashing all over that horror in what bed the fuck, dude? like is this lube it grinned at me, mocking my very existence, making light of my pain and the agony it had caused. I like this. Like, you I'm don't okay. Think I like this. You don't I think like I'm okay. This. You don't think this is my first time? From my pocket, I pulled out a lighter, lit it, and threw it onto that wretched no, I, thing. I lit a cigarette and I put on sunglasses, even though it was nighttime, mm-hmm. and I said, Chill out! <laughs> and I, t- and I, I flicked it with my finger. And this he, ain't and lit. He, and he exploded. Yeah. And he exploded. It writhed and screamed in agony. Cool guys don't get explosions. You shouldn't have watched. Part of its flesh crumbled away, searing into nothing in front of my very eyes. I almost felt sorry for it, but let it burn. The fire got out of hand. Thankfully, a neighbor heard the screams and saw the smoke calling the fire brigade. I remember nothing of how I escaped. I spent several hours in the hospital being treated for light, smoke, inhalation, and painful burns on my hands. It still hurts as I type, but as with many superficial wounds, they will heal. Perhaps there will be a few scars, but I can live with that. To 
police arrested me shortly after, believing me a murderer. They suspected I killed someone in that fire and find it entirely suspicious that I have a deep wound in my shoulder and scratches over my body. I've been told to not stray far in case they wish to ask me further questions, but they can ask away. I doubt they'll believe my answers. They found no remains nor any evidence that someone else was there, bar a strange outline of a figure etched deep in the bed and wall. It looked as though whatever had been there attempted to escape, but I do not think it accomplished this. A weight has now lifted from my shoulders, one which I now realize was always there, since I was a child, in fact. I believe that thing had an effect on me, even from distance, and now that it was gone, I feel whole again. I'm very devastated that I've lost Mary, and my house can be written off, as I'll probably be charged with arson. After they realize I started the fire, which means I can kiss goodbye any insurance claim. My hands ache, as do my shoulder. And he lost his car, don't forget that. And my spirit, my hands ache, as do my shoulder, but at least I have Geico. My, my Kia soul will never ride again. But my spirit does not. I am writing this from a hotel room. It's small and unassuming, but it will suit my purpose. Tonight I attend to sleep and dream as I did as a child before that wretched thing invaded my life. I believe that it was my rationality which saved me, no, my logical thought which allowed me to destroy such an evil. But I will never escape the conclusion that there is much more to life behind the veil, out there in the darkness. It is a world I have seen and do not care to revisit, but tonight I will rest and tomorrow I will build my life again with the confidence that my unwelcome guest is gone forever. I can feel it, I know it. It will take time for me to adjust and perhaps my mind will play a trick or two along the way. It is difficult to abandon the paranoia of a lifetime. I must learn to accept my safety once again. I, I refuse to be looking over my shoulder for the rest of my days, but I will always be cautious, as I was when I was in the hospital this morning lying on a bed in a quiet ward. I, thought I felt the bed shake for the briefest moment, but I know that was just my imagination. <laughs> I'm glad I've written down my experiences. It has illuminated much about myself to me, and most importantly, should anyone ever, God forbid, find themselves in a similar situation, then maybe you will know what to do, not be as stupid as this guy. Now, it is bedtime and I must rest for her. I have never known a weariness such as this. Good night and sleep tight. The end. That's all, folks. The end. Insert rap line. Don't, I don't have one. Insert rap line. The OG number 18. Back at it, 2018. Oh, dear God. It's Here a we at, boy. 2018. He's got to rhyme 2018 with 2018. We live in this life. It's bedtime. Yeah. So we, um, we read part, uh, we, we, we read parts three through five yep. of bedtime. Five was the longest, yeah. Yeah, but, um, I, I like, so there are two things. I like that in his primal state of defense he literally said fire bad and threw it at the, the monstro and burned him to death what i dislike about it is that he said he was really smart for doing that my that, intelligence has at, saved me at the end is this dude okay so here's what i've been thinking this entire time holy shit like I said earlier, we're on fucking wavelength. First thing I heard was neckbeard. But, like, that's probably just how, like, that's probably just how we're reading it. Because, like, let's let's be real. It's, it's probably not. It's just, it's just a young Brit 
who fancies himself the next fucking Edgar Allan Poe. Like, literally, let let me reread this last, like, part the way I've been reading it in my fucking head. I am glad I have written down my experiences. It has illuminated much about myself to me. And most importantly, should anyone ever, God forbid, find themselves in a similar situation, then maybe you will know what to do. It's just so... uh, Quoth the raven speaketh. And it, uh... Let me roll my eyes a little bit. A little bit. It is still, like, I enjoyed it, and it was something I can think about. Yeah, I enjoyed the story for um, what it was. Going forward in my life, that it was Sam Raimi, the Brit. I, yeah. I almost wish it didn't take place contemporarily. It would have been nicer. Yeah, I agree. It's almost like, um... It would feel gold as a gold. It would feel gold, yeah. It would feel like a gold story if it did take place way, way in the past, like Edgar Allan Poe style. And it's at this point. Oh, see, even I was I wasn't even going that far. I was literally just saying, like, why couldn't this have taken place in the fifties or sixties yeah. or seventies? And just and just been, you know, a lot less like just wordy and bullshit yeah. <laughs> bullshit. I don't know what period setting would do to discuss his languidness but i guess he wouldn't talk about the same shit to the same lengths yeah i i guess for me one thing i've noticed is like when reading certain books i love some explanation but even in my own writing i'll be like i described that moon for five sentences why didn't i use one to two if i want to be all like special like why can't I just say that, you know, the moon shines and it's pretty? Like, why do I always have to be like, oh, the moon is lavishing the sure. earth with its... Sure. But that's your but that's your basic mind. Your logic mind combating your creative mind. Yeah. That's your left and your right brain and Going at you it. Know, dissociation. But um what I what I think this dude's real issue was was his massive neck beard and collection of fedoras. He had to have been wearing a fedora for this last part. Like, by the way, guys. And sleep tight. The end. Like, my favorite part was he's just like, if it wasn't for my intelligence and rational brain, we would not have succeeded. Don't ask where I got a bucket of petrol. In the middle of the night. I just did. Fuck you. Or, like, the thing has its hand down his throat and he's like, and then I escaped. It's like, yeah. And then I escaped. I kicked free. I talked about his hand going down my throat for a page, but it just like very quickly. One line. I was escaped. Out as I was escaped, it did. Yeah, some laughable qualities in an otherwise pretty okay story. I will say that much. Yeah, I think it's. I think literally, other than this ending and some of his tone, I think. Especially the beginning, it was a lot less for me. I mean, yeah, there was a lot of... Uh, it wasn't succinct. It was... There's just too many words at points. But when I compare it to, like, sometimes the most dangerous prey is the one that can outthink you. It's like, dude, you're not dangerous. You're watching too many movies. You've seen too many... Yeah. And, and that's coming from someone who references things all oh, the yeah. fucking time. It's like... It's just about how you say things. It has fallen it's into right, my trap. It's the right context. And... and 
saying things like you're playing a game of Battleship or you're rolling your D20 is just so, like, self-indulgent. Yeah, this demon has fallen into my trap of logic. Which is also the, like, uh, saying the same sentence three ways. I would get that all the time in high school, and I... And I frankly thank my teachers and professors over the past who have taught me to stop fucking doing that. Yep. You can only, if you want to say it a long way, you find a way to say it a long way without it being rambling and a paragraph. You know, a paragraph. Add something to it. You know, it's not three separate sentences. It's not three run-ons, you know. I would say half of this author's material run-ons. was run-on sentences oh, yeah. saying the same shit four ways. And even though disagree, yeah. it was written like that, it was still a pretty good read. I agree. It's funny to be able to criticize it so much, but I enjoyed the read. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it had fallen into my trap. One conceived by logic, reason, and an understanding of the world through the eyes of a scientific mind. Fuck you, ghosts. I'm a scientist. Glasses push. I have logic. Ghost, you don't. Checkmate. Well, the joke's on you, spirits. Because I'm a virgin. And we all know... Virgins don't die in narratives. Yeah. Checkmate, ghost. I'm an atheist. <laughs> it's just like the ghost is like looking at him. He's like, but I'm here. He's like, no, no, no. I also, I, I wanted to, I wanted to touch on, um, our little like relationship thing between them because it got sensual to a point. And I like rethinking of parts one through five, all about the same ghost. Like he comes out of the wall at first and he's like, literally let me snuggle you. And part two is like, fine. If I can't sleep with you, I'll just fucking sit in the chair. And then it like turns around Chokes him out for a little bit and then literally runs away and leaves him alone for like 15 fucking years. Because why not? Because why not? And then like... So just killing him right there. He like sat in a bush for 15. He ran... They say... I remember part two ending really funnily. We laughed about it. It was like... And then I heard it screaming as it ran down the street. And I was like... (laughs) And I was like, how funny is that? Or out, out the front door and down my street. It was something like that. And um, I thought that was very funny. But um, imagining this thing coming back after so long and just being like, I played the waiting game. The long con. <laughs> the long con. Bitch, you better believe it. So here's one thing that I have an issue with most ghost horror possession or any of that stuff movies. Mm-hmm. Why doesn't the ghost ever just kill the person right away which you know what i'm saying a lot of times they'll like just sit there unless they just want to torment them which you could see as some of that but like i would love to see movies where like a psycho a hitchcock yeah you know where he just he says like no this is real like if if this thing is a force to be reckoned with it's then it's a force gonna, to be reckoned it's with. gonna fucking kill the person you've been watching for the last 45 minutes and then yes or uh the cohen brothers yes then, then then yes you will have to watch the rest of this movie about someone completely different finding themselves in the same situation yeah because you just saw how disturbing it is you already saw that moment. The un- even lynch does it you know it's non-linear non-linear yes non-linear storytelling it's it successful scary. and the amount of pulled punches in this story was 
I, I wouldn't say it, it negatively affected the story. It's just... It makes me long for stories that do it less. It's just added with the pros, like added with the pros. Really? I just want to bring up the Monty Python clip of like the 300 people standing in a field yelling, get on with it. Yes. hundred percent. Yeah. You just want it to get on. You want it to be that this Which story. I will, I will plug as well. I will literally find them yelling Good. that and, pl- and plug it as a sound Hashtag. clip. Hashtag. Monty Python, Holy Grail. I mean, like I said, I enjoyed the whole thing. There was good creepy moments where I was like, sure. frick. And this is what, guys, this is my opinion. But in storytelling, when you read a story, if one piece is ruining it and one piece is great, you know what you do? You don't say this is all ruined. You don't, you pick out that piece that's great and you hold on to it because you might be able to use it in one of your own things. You can use it as a feeling. That's great. That's awesome that even if you watch a crappy movie, but there's one moment that scares you, you can still enjoy that moment. Yeah. There's tons of crappy horror movies I see in theater. Like the There's get- tons of crappy movies in general. And tons the of Bye crappy, Bye Man? Tons of crappy books. Yeah, we've talked about it. I um, hate it, but there's one or two scenes that are disturbing. We've, we've literally talked about it. I know, I didn't know we've talked about that. Yeah, no, on the show. Oh, frick. I knew no, we talked about it. No, like we've forgot. literally, yeah, yeah, yeah. like we, like that, yeah, that's a good example. There, It's like even in books yep. and TV shows, it's just like, I find myself judging TV shows on a whole, recently at least. Okay really like critically like really fucking critically altered carbon i loved altered carbon no and that's just because you see that quality and you compare it to shit like gotham yeah and cw and and cw some of fox's shit i would say like fx is an exception because it's endearing most of the time, and they're not trying to really push boundaries. Yeah. But then you get shit like Atlanta, and it really surprises you. So it's just There's like... There's times. Yeah. So, but they're um, not trying to typically push the boundaries. Push they're boundaries in any way. No, they're just views. doing... Fu- they're doing fun things. And, like, that's, you know... That's what I look for. Because uh, I've been real... Just, I don't, I don't even know if critical is the right word. Because uh, I flat out stopped watching things recently. Like, if I don't like it, I... I realized, like, why, if I'm not hooked, why am I going to force myself to get into something? And this book, well, this story, more to what I'm getting to, is this story, it never quite pushed me, like, off the fucking Exactly. Cliff, but it could have softened several aspects. It could have drew me in And kept better. me just as interested. Yeah, yes. no, I, I was interested. I was. I wanted to see how it played out, and the minute we started part three and part four, knowing the direction it was heading in, you know, I was okay with it. But then it got, like, more Evil Dead, and I really like Sam Raimi, and, like, pointless and kind of wacky that you're just like, okay, like, no, really. I, I liked our joke of, like, the what are we, but, like, really, like... What's the story to itself? Like, what are we? Yes, you're 100% so, right. So thematically, um, but again, you know, I have to say it, I enjoyed it. I did too. <laughs> it's funny. We're being, we're being super critical, but like, you can only be so fucking critical with a creepy pasta. And that's the that's thing the is, you just have to show, have fun with it, guys. So you're like, oh, I don't like that scene. Guess what? You might have liked another scene, so suck it. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to talk about? I mean, no. I'm just excited. You know, next episode, let's let's we're gonna um, do something new. Do something I have, new. I have so much I'm shit. Hoping for us, I think we should just like. I know that every guest has like things that they like. I want to go just deeper and deeper into disturbing. I want to be Goatman disturbed. Disturbing. Like I, I want to just go into the depths of human depravity, whether it's humans causing. 
I usually like it when humans go mad. You know, good old Lovecraftian, just completely mad. We'll have to take a look at the list. And that sounds awesome. See what looks good. But I like I like narratives. You know, yeah, it's definitely. fine. It's fine that we come back in you know seven episodes and do a part two like that. Totally acceptable. Not the first time we've done this. And I'm glad. Um, I'm glad that we could yeah, break the form yeah. of. I mean, not that you haven't done that this before, we finish it. but like that we can finish it. That it's not just a hanging and project. Because not everything, you know, is pen pal. We knew yeah. this story yeah. wasn't going to be hampered by just sitting on it for a, a little bit. Yes. Like Whisperers, one of the best stories we've read on the podcast, three separate episodes. Yeah. Um, two back-to-back to kind of satiate the people who knew that narrative. And a part three, 10 to 20 episodes later. I didn't know it was that far, dang. Where, um, yeah, we I didn't know it was a thing. And then I found it and realized it's the same story told from the perspective of the guy. I didn't see that. So a part, I didn't hear that one. So a part three... That's awesome. A part three is a retelling of parts one... Or, more so part two. It's when they get to Red Hill. And it's all from the guy's perspective of what he sees and what how he wit- how he witnesses the end. Yeah, um that was episode Just so I can write that down. Part three to Whisperers was seventy four. It will have been the episode before this one. Oh my gosh. It's all <laughs> because <laughs> Hey Time to go to bed, device. Part, part two. Yeah, fun fun stuff. We have a lot of fun stuff coming up. Oh, I'm excited. <laughs> Yo, we started those. I had these two assholes on. Yeah, Can't we, go wrong we had a, Dracula. Yeah, we had a fun time. That's um, awesome. But yeah, we have we have fun shit coming up, and I'm so excited to talk to you about the 100. Now that I know that I have a little bit more time, because now like every. Again, this is a time travel episode. Time travel. And um, we are currently recording 89 Mm -hmm. this week, I think. And um, it's it's a special I've been wanting to do for a long time. But we are ever closer getting... You know, this is 75, so we're at the three-quarter mark right now. This is important. And we are getting to the one, the big 1-0 out. And we are planning something super cool, and I'm not going to talk about it. Yeah, you gotta not. You gotta, they gotta hear it. But anyway, yeah. this was Captain Death and Gestalt, Gestalt. for episode 75. <laughs> Yeah.